Hi guys and welcome to an episode of Mind the Health Gap. This Ooh. is our first episode of the year. Yes, guys. So we'd like to firstly wish you a happy uh, new year. In February. <laughs> I know, but I mean, you know what they say? Yeah, it is. Happy new year, guys. Um, Thanks, Mohammed. It's good to see you, man. Like, yeah, I see you for time. I haven't actually. It's been, it's been I a saw month. you in December. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, been actually, it's been quite a while. Yeah, but the contact's still been flowing. Definitely. Like, We've been planning ahead for the year. Yeah. And um, like I said, at the end of... Um, December mm. that we're going to have these on both Spotify and podcasts. So yes. expect that soon. Yes. So we're working on it. Yeah. Um, but do you want to outline what we're going yeah, to have in store this month? Of course, of course, of course. Guys, we, we have a new theme this month. Uh, we are focusing on infectious diseases in the 21st century. and What a timing. Right. What a timing because those of you who aren't aware or who have not been reading the news, there is an outbreak of coronavirus, um, which is literally the focus of our episode today. Um, so let me just outline it. We're going to do it as usual in two parts. The first part is is really, um, we'll focus on the more public health, epidemiology uh, side surrounding like how it's being addressed in global health uh, and how like maybe some people's lived experience are informing conversations around it. And the second part is more so how this is problematically being viewed around the world um, through a cultural lens, how culture is often seen as a source of health in mainly negative lights than positive, and what what does it mean for future global epidemics? So, um, right, I'm gonna start. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna give you guys a really, really brief timeline of how it started. How it started. So I remember seeing tweets about this, coronavirus i don't know if you saw them this is during the christmas period christmas period there was like unknown virus in china wuhan and it was like seven eight cases and i didn't pay attention to it and then i remember like 31st of december uh that's when like the mainstream the world yeah the media alert the ministry of china is it china they alerted world health organization and it was the first reported case of the 2019 NCOV, which is literally the coronavirus that is going around now. Um, and and just, it was in the city of to, Wuhan. Just also to add to that, yeah, it's a normal procedure where if there's a new strain of virus or disease, uh, virus or bacteria mm-hmm. or a pathogen, mm-hmm. the procedure is to actually report it to the World Health Organization. Yep. So governments are pledged to do that mm-hmm. as part of uh, the conventions that they sign yearly. Yeah. So in that process, like, so on the 31st of December, China reported... Uh, 40 cases of pneumonia with a which is a type of right yeah resulting from coronavirus um with suspected link to large seafood and live animal market which we'll come back to because the topic around that is largely um problematic and then on the 9th of december like december sorry january 2020 uh who confirmed the suspicion and announced that coronavirus had been detected in these patients um and then on january uh 23rd i watched this i remember like texting you like did you see tedros like it was, it was everywhere yeah and he basically refused to declare the outbreak a public health emergency of mm. international concern and we were all just like um question mark question mark question exactly. mark but again we'll discuss that later just just outlining it for you guys and then by the end no hang on yeah and then by like the 30th end of january, yeah, around the end of january 
then Tedros was like, actually, psych, this is a public health um, crisis of international, what's the word? Concern, yeah. And by the end of January, there were 213 deaths, uh, 9,682 confirmed cases, um, and over 15,000 suspected cases across 31 provinces in China. Are you deeping this in China? So that it hasn't even touched globally yet. Exactly. Most of the fatalities are like predominantly in China. Yeah. A good 80%, 90%. Yeah, will be in China, which is so mad, which is so, so mad. But... Yeah, and then following on from this, who published um, recommendations for public campaigns um, in countries, which they, which is called the Strategic Preparedness and Response uh, Plan. Mm. Uh, you can find it online if you guys want to read it. We can actually like put it on our Twitter if people are interested. Um, and those are from the frameworks of the International Health Regulation. Mm-hmm. So these are regulations put in place within the WHO, and they set mandate on what to do. So. They communicate with the regional um, headquarters of uh, the WHO in each areas because there's six in the world. Yep. And they've got a template of things, research and uh, preparedness, mm. um, like frameworks on mm. how to deal with an outbreak. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. And just like add to add to what Mohammed says, like give some sort of nuance to another number of issues surrounding quarantines travel restrictions um pathways for addressing gaps like in information and vaccinations um and whilst all of this is really good like there are so many surrounding issues with stuff like financing like it's great we all have we have all these strategies but like how are you going to finance finance it because who said globally that they need about 675 million yeah they already don't have money where's it going to come from do, I mean, do you know what I mean? And then, like, when you consider, I don't want to say more vulnerable continents, but, like, continents where health systems aren't as strong, you need to, on top of that, finance that, right? Was It wasn't who, sorry. It was, um, let me, let me just cross-check that for you guys. It wasn't who. It was, I oh, know it was. And then it was Bill and Melinda Gates who said, they're pledging a hundred million. million, yeah, which we'll talk talk about. But that's just a rough outline for you guys. But before we even like unpack all of this stuff, I'm gonna ask Mohammed like some questions for you just to understand what this disease is. So, Mohammed, what is coronavirus? The coronavirus has existed before, but on Twitter or online, you see it as N uh, uh, Corona, or it's the new novel coronavirus. Right. So it's a new corona, uh, coronavirus. It's a strain, a new uh, strain. Exactly, yeah. it hasn't been previously identified. And the, this 2019 coronavirus, like I said, it's new. It's, it's not the same as the old uh, commonly known coronaviruses. So the SARS mm-hmm. was also a type of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. The MERS was also a coronavirus. Oh, yeah. mm. And they were from, again, the host um, species between these three uh, viruses yeah or diseases sorry have been different so that's why this is this hasn't been identified beforehand that's why it's quite new mm. and that's why um, there's issues of actually knowing about it that's why yeah the doctor that first uncovered this um in wuhan yeah was uh scrutinized yeah he was silent yeah, exactly. yeah they it were like a new virus that no one knew yeah and um yeah i think so it's 
it's, sorry, just to add, it's very interesting that you mentioned SARS because there was actually previously an outbreak. I think it was in two thousand and two in two thousand two, two thousand three in China, where uh, almost eight thousand people died, a couple hundred were affected, and yeah, in that sense, even it says it says a lot about global health. Mm. Like we do a lot of lessons learned from this. Yeah, lessons learned from lessons learned from that. Yeah, but it, we're still being affected by the same similar outbreaks right. because the coronaviruses are a large family mm. of viruses that exist within animals so uh, like i said mers uh, existed via camels mm. um sars was through cats and bats oh legit yeah mm. so i mean we're still um, we learn lessons from these cases that have happened but we we don't really implement those lessons to strengthen to newer, healthcare right. systems mm. so to increase resilience yeah. essentially i i agree so um what what would you say are the symptoms of uh corona like and what what does it actually do to the body i mean before we get to that what was what i found quite awesome was how the chinese health authorities actually put the full genome of the new coronavirus online on a gen did they bank. actually yeah. oh that's so it's cool gen bank uh external so mm. like all the new viruses that they detect you, you just see the whole genome sequencing and it's quite cool so if you want to check it out we'll put a link in after. our twitter yeah yeah it's very nerdy but yeah i love nah, it cool. <laughs> yeah but um yeah sorry what was your question um i said like what what are like the actual symptoms of coronavirus and like what does it actually do to the body um the symptoms are basically um normal flu symptoms yeah but more tied to respiratory like coughs mm -hmm. uh shortness of, shortness of breath so like chestiness basically exactly. yeah um it's basically an exaggerated flu mm. uh, okay pretty much okay and um um that's why it, it was difficult to firstly identify and actually what it actually actual, was yeah because yeah, it possessed a lot of the symptoms that you would have a normal flu mm. um i mean the sit like the virus now that because details are emerging m more details on the outline of the virus and how it's passed on yeah and origins and um who's more susceptible yeah to the virus yeah so it's, how is it passed on it's person to person yeah so, um highly contagious then exactly right. so droplets of bloody uh, uh bodily fluids yeah so saliva mucus who like so even if you spit on the floor yeah you can, uh, catch it so people that even, even spit on the floor yeah. coughing sneezing yeah um yeah so like it's a normal f you get fever cough mm -hmm. but the, what really distinguishes it between other viruses or yeah. other, other corona corona viruses is the fact that you get a lot of uh you find breathing quite difficult right okay so that sets it aside from other viruses mm -hmm. uh, so that is uh prevalent among all the victims yeah or those patients who've had the condition mm -hmm. and how um it's not yet known how long the virus can survive yeah outside a host mm -hmm. but um it could range from hours to Rah. months so the incubation period of the virus is somewhat between one to 14 days mm -hmm. and even just um just the other day actually just on the 30th of january the New England Journal of Medicine, which is a, a respected, renowned uh, journal, yeah, published a quite bizarre 
it hasn't been fully debunked, but a bizarre research that they found. So they basically um, observed the first four people in Germany who were infected with the yeah. virus. Mm -hmm. And they made the assertion that the virus could be a... Uh, um, the word's gone. Um, <laughs> Don't fight the English. No. Asymptom asymptomatic. Asymptomatic. Yeah. <laughs> and what that means is the a person, someone who has no symptom of the disease of the virus, could actually pass it on. That's so interesting. You mentioned that. But it's been debunked. Yeah, it was. Extent. I saw the this. The research was because the research method was quite. It wasn't stringent. It was poor. Exactly. Yeah. But. The, the guys that have debunked this, so Harvard Chan Public Health, yeah, yeah, yeah. as well as some, a lot of uh, outlets, uh, Ministry of Health of many countries have mm. found that although they've debunked this research, it doesn't it doesn't debunk the whole theory that the asymptomatic people yeah, can. Okay, exactly. they just need to be much stronger in proving it. Is what you're saying? Exactly, it's early days. Interesting. Okay, um, and like, how how is it treated and managed? Corona. I mean. It's been treated. People obviously are taken into special care, intensive mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. It depends on the severity of the actual condition. Mm -hmm. So, although like it's a virus, so antivirals are being used. Uh, the symptoms are being treated, not the actual, like the actual outlying disease. Right. There's no. There's right. There's no, no like. There's yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no. So there's no vaccine available yet. And it's a virus. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, people are being taken into emergency services, um, proper primary care. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there, I mean, yeah, people are being sectioned into quarantined, specific, yeah. yeah, specific areas. Um, so, I mean, that is how it's treated for now. For now. Right. Okay. And I know that quite a few like Chinese billionaires, Bill Gates, have all been like, ah, we'll give this much money for a vaccine. I mean, the Thoughts. pharmaceutical industry is yeah. working on a vaccine. Yeah. Um, but that's going to take maybe like two, three years tops. Um, I mean, it is a well-known virus. Like, the, yeah. you know, it shares a lot of similarities with other previous coronaviruses. Yeah. But again, yeah, developing a, a vaccine could take some time mm. and each country is doing different it. Yeah. it's a race basically yeah. to get the best it's vaccine. so weird it's so weird that it takes such large epidemics for innovations in global health to happen yeah. don't you think exactly um okay uh what are some of the other health risks um if there are any there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of distress yeah um mm -hmm. anxiety inducing psychological stuff exactly. yeah um and also just the settings where the context matters where it happens yeah and even just seeing reports from wuhan mm -hmm. like people are quarantined and have been in the, in the same situation for mm. like 20 30 days yeah and they're receiving no form of aid none food, food. yeah food did you see that yeah, there was that thing on twitter where like there was a drone going around and the city is quiet. Imagine that was London. It, w it was quiet. Quiet. No one. Nobody on the streets. Mad. Honestly, it felt like a ghost town. Yeah. It, it was quite something. Um, but okay. Thank you for that um, kind of like global health, public health background. But one thing what we did forget was that um, a lot of newspapers are running with this, the media role. 
And if you actually look at the... Wait, we'll come back to that. No, but I just wanted to say that the, if you look at the mortality rate... Right, okay. ...of the actual... Um, the Of the virus... Yeah, go it's on. It's about 2%, which is lower than... This is the thing. SARS right. or the other right. coronaviruses that have broken up. Right. Which killed around 9.6% 9, 9 of those who were infected. Yeah, which is so, much larger. Yeah, it's a... Than what we're seeing. To, and it's so funny you say that because there's stuff like flu. I don't think people realise how flu kills people. Like, so many people. And I, I know it sounds really dumb because we all get the common cold. Mm -hmm. Or like flu. And it's just like, oh, I'll get over it. But like, flu is one of the... It's an agenda now that's been put on the World Health Organization. But, and I also, I generally think, but because it's not originating from a global South context. Or like effect do you know what i mean it's not given the same it's the way it's framed oh it's thank you of it but well part two guys part two i'll do my rant but the last question i have for you mo is um uh okay so there are many measures currently being taken to minimize the risk of coronavirus spreading across borders you know such as travel bans etc 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 and it's not just internally it's also like externally so like Hong Kong has banned people from mainland China. And then, like, a lot of the um, Asian countries are like, lol, no one from China. A lot of, like, um, uh, European countries are like, yep, yeah, no one from China, unless it's, like, emergency planes. Funnily enough, Canada was the only one that was like, lol, we're not, not banning them from coming. They can come. And also a lot of African countries, because we do Africa, like, China is our largest trading partner for a lot of the African the countries, China, right? China and so partnership is quite it's very strong, right? Strong. So my question to you is like, what are your thoughts surrounding stuff like travel bans? And like, do you think like our attention should be like, do you think that actually does anything in the grand scheme of like containing it? But also should we be focusing more so on prevention? So strengthening healthcare systems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like the robustness of them. I think if you impose trade bans, travel bans mm, as well, mm. it basically, it doesn't help the situation because firstly, chi uh, countries like China would not share their surveillance, would not share accurate data right. about the extent of the problem. Right. And this is why it got into this mess in and the first place. Exactly. Yeah. And that would obviously increase the risk of um, the virus flowing into different across uh, borders. And that lies with the way the WHO functions. So, right. as you know, when you declare a public health emergency, um, that basically tells other nations, okay, the virus or the the outbreak is quite serious in this country. Right. So countries are reluctant to actually share borders, mm. um, free mo the flow of people, yeah. as well as trade. So that's why... Um, the IHR, the International Health Regulation, Regulation yeah. should work on actually working with the country mm -hmm. to to function at the same capacity. Because if you look at China, right, the latest like markets show that they've lost quite a lot economically, right. And if if like countries want to prolong um, prolong the way before they prolong the time it takes for them to actually report this to to bodies like the WHO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that increases the risk of the actual outbreak. 
So if you do not control these travel bans, mm. trade concerns, mm. and actually regulate and actually help countries form better partnerships right. of detecting and surveillance, mm. then you could actually prevent the number of deaths, prevent the mm. spread of the disease. Mm. And also, like you said, um, strengthening healthcare systems, that is more or less, if you look at the African context. Yeah, I'm so China, glad you brought that up. I was going to... Exactly, mm. with China, you've seen, they've, they have the capacity to build a hospital in 10 days. It was six, actually. It's but, yeah. Exactly. It's, 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 it's a bit mad, yeah. Whereas in Africa... Um, you've seen with Ebola, which we'll talk about next week. Yeah. If you focus on actually strengthening the healthcare system, the infrastructure, the housing, uh, detecting the disease or the outbreak early, yeah. cultural, uh, uh, coming into the community, right. interacting with the community, empowering the community to deal with right. cultural, uh, cultural issues. Yeah, so like community groups and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. If, if you t- were to do that, then... Again, that increases the resilience of the country mm. to these outbreaks. I agree. Less deaths, less uh, people who, because a lot of the a lot of these outbreaks affect the labor force participation. So those who are working hundred percent, yeah, in the country, yeah, and that could destabilize a country. Yeah, and let's not forget, like economically, socially, in all aspects, the social determinants of health, yeah, exactly. are m- largely influenced. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. So. Yeah, in that context, um, nowadays, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Foundation has arguably has a stronger pull, even money, money and resources Mm. than um, international bodies like the WHO. Yeah. So they should be they should see the problem. And instead of going for those vertical programs, should actually um, invest in that. Yeah. Oh, I wrote a whole essay on this. If anyone wants to read it, DM me. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm so glad you brought up the African context because the main issue, like you said, with Africa is, and I don't I don't know how to speak about this because I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, is this anti-black that everyone is so worried? If it goes to Africa, it's going to affect us. Is it racist? Is it not? But we do have an issue of health systems in Africa. So currently only two countries would be able to test effectively for the presence of coronavirus one of them is south africa and the other one is senegal but i read a a article like yesterday where i think now madagascar nigeria there's another one i can't remember ghana tanzania are now like saying well we would be able to effectively deal with it and they have been like scares of the presence of corona being in africa so i think ethiopia botswana um i can't remember the countries now at the top of my head do you want me to pull them up mohammed i mean um go ahead (laughs) might take some time but basically what i'm trying to say is like do, do you think people should be as worried? I mean, yes, as worried about it touching Africa when there have already been issues within Africa and there they have been, with the help of the international community, kind of contained. That doesn't include Ebola and DRC right now, but y- you know what I mean. Mm. Thoughts? Um, that is quite difficult to unpack because 
on one aspect of course countries in africa don't have the resources to actually um to set up against these outbreaks mm-hmm. um they're lacking in prof- health professionals mm-hmm. uh governance mm-hmm. a lot of these mm-hmm. regions there's conflict 100 percent exacerbates the whole magnitude of the outbreak we've seen with ebola yeah but at the same time it's it's reminiscence of the colonial times where like former countries like France and the UK yeah. are back into those countries where they colonized beforehand mm-hmm. on our either testing experimental vaccines mm-hmm. on um on patients yeah or mili- using military to mm-hmm. actually deliver mm-hmm. healthcare and obviously we know what happens when you in- involve military in healthcare settings right right of course we can understand why the military is used in the in the context, in context of Ebola, yeah. where the health professionals were being attacked, yep, especially in in conflict zone areas. But then again, it, yeah, it, it's quite difficult to to look at um, from one angle. You have to look at it from many angles. Both sides. Uh, it's a very it's it's hard when you talk about infectious diseases because it's not like this is wrong, this is right, right? Especially where it's context specific. So I just pulled up the countries just to go back on. So I told you Senegal and South Africa are really the only countries that have confirmed that they would be able, they have the regions needed to test samples. Um, uh, Especially in Senegal, this has been like one of the most medical and innovative labs in Africa to test for like infectious diseases in their presence. Uh, This week, Ghana, Madagascar, Nigeria and Sierra Leone announced that they can conduct tests. Um, 36 African countries have confirmed they're equipped to test specifically for coronavirus. Um, It's so interesting that you said about the need for health workers because Nigeria, their Red Cross Society said that it's placed one million volunteers on alert um tanzania as well they've been doing a lot of quarantine they've stockpiled thermometers Two thousand health workers have been trained several countries like kenya ethiopia ivory coast ghana botswana they've all like dealt with suspected cases via quarantine um those are the regions where there's a lot of chinese interests oh 100 percent, 100 percent. um and i think what I mean, I don't want to bring up the Ebola. Um, that's for next week. Because that's that for, for next week. week. I'll save that for next week. But what I can say is what a lesson that can be learned from that is early action. So a lot of African countries have started screening um, people on arrival in airports, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think whilst, yes, there is worry of like, can African context handle it because of their weak quote, unquote, uh, health systems i think they are being quite like they're not being passive about it is what i'm trying to say yeah quite responsive yeah um yeah uh yeah i think let's move on to the second part of yeah the so podcast. i can run yeah <laughs> yeah um so do you think that the way it's been approached in terms of like public health uh public health discourse mm-hmm. and in the media yeah does it target east asians so what is your view on like the way it's been framed around chinese people Mm. and um what is the 
role of culture in this because we talk about culture right a lot. right okay okay I'm, i literally put my pen down guys because i've been ranting to everyone about this i think i think the underlying overall public health discussion is incredibly problematic for many reasons i think there's a lot of ignorance and even not even just from the general public but even like in the public health field themselves and how they're approaching this in discussion is so like racist um so i think first of all if if we're talking about if we're talking what was your question sorry if we're talking about like the media for example i think there is a lot of fear-mongering like granted that the mortality rate is it's much high right exactly it's two percent but granted that majority of our the prevalence is in china right but there's prevalence in surrounding countries and i think the first death that actually occurred was outside mainland china in the philippines uh that's not to say like (laughs) target people who are filipino don't do that but i'm just stating like the way it's just being discussed do you think it's geopolitics a hundred against china I don't want to say that and then people to come at me and be like oh my god conspiracist but um it's xenophobia I think especially because you mentioned that culture is a source of that as 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 a source of health if we're considering the conversation surrounding the emergence of, of corona it's very much stemmed in stigmas already existing against Chinese people i.e what they eat um uh, food hygiene practices um the mask wearing you know we we live around london you've seen, uh, you've seen yeah uh, you've seen the jokes on twitter oh mate don't media. even start the way like like okay i understand people dealing with things in a humorous way but when you are specifically targeting the livelihoods of people like it, it's not cool it's it's not it's not funny i don't i don't find it funny especially because people are actually dying and the reason I don't find it funny, so when prior to, uh, or was it after? I don't know if you got them at LSE. Um, I don't want to name drop UCL because I don't want to shame them, but I think... The emails. The, email the emails were a joke. It was literally like, first it started off very generic. And then it was literally like, if you are from China and you just came... And it's like, okay, I understand that. But don't you think, had they been coming from there, people people like mediating travel would have taken necessary precautions in quarantine in qu- and um health checks it's just so like even when i went to the gp the other day like the posters were so like do not enter and it's really it's it's sad to see because and then i know lse as well has a very large east asian population how do you think people and this was in light of them celebrating Chinese New Year. Chinese, right. So, right. And like, imagine it, celebrating a festival when uh, there's all of this going around. Mm-hmm. So, I know that in UCL, particularly, I think maybe the demand for uh, student well being and psychological services has gone maybe like five times more because of the racism surrounding this. Like, and I, so within my department, but also I work as like a resident advisor, we have been told that students are being specifically targeted so this is why i don't think like jokes and stuff like that are funny at all like this is a more extreme example but like this is how stuff like genocide star it's very like it's always a joke joke then you play on stereotypes then it's normalized and then it's enforced systematically 
And I'm not saying like this is what's <laughs> going to happen with um, coronavirus, but I think we have to be very careful in the way we are talking about it, especially from a cultural uh, perspective. Um, today, again, on the train, I'm coming from work. There was a guy, uh, two Chinese guys sitting on the um, on the train. No one was sitting. No one. Like the whole carriage, everyone was sitting right on the extremes. No one would sit in the middle. And he, he, you could tell he, like, he wasn't well. He was, he was wearing a mask. Why would he be wearing a mask if he was unwell? It's just wrong, man. It's just so wrong. And and even with, um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of tweets on, um, a lot of people talking about the treatment, the Ch- uh, the Chinese treatment of yeah. the Uyghurs, yeah, and how this is related to religion yeah oh i think that's what do you think of that it's a bit of a sticky one still um i think what i mean even if you look at it um if you look at it logically Mm. the Uyghur population yeah in these concentration camps Mm. re-education camps Mm, mm. surely the (laughs) re-education okay surely the disease the virus would be more potent Mm. or more aggressive yeah. amongst them because they're, they're in so containment conf- right confined right. these little concentration camps so it'd be worse for them as well so i think the idea of oh it's, it's payback do you know what i mean yeah it's it's also <sighs> racist elements to it exactly. right right and a lot of people need to distinguish between the chinese government and the Chinese people, yeah, the state, like, of course, there's there, there's some who are complicit in certain, to a certain degree, right? But that's politics, right? Like exactly, this. exactly. Um, I think so. Again, a lot of like as a Muslim, um, a lot of Muslims wouldn't see it that way, but it's also racist, and it's also yes. how racism is also how ra- how racism targets Islam as well. Yeah. Like, it's a way i know what you're saying we we don't have the words for it guys because this is we're still trying to conceptualize a lot of this happening but i 100 percent agree with you um i think as well like i keep going back to ebola again next week guys listen to that it's just astounding to me that lessons like this are not being learned from the past because because like culture is so important and i think the media is not doing enough to 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 not even just the media but even as public health officials to unpack this this epidemic through a very cultural lens like how how can you tell people that your eating practices are somehow you need to change them and when it's not even been 100 percent effectively you, proved exactly and can you do that who's got the right to do that right there's a lot of ethical questions surrounding exactly and that links on to the next question like so what is your thoughts on the chinese government the way they've handled this i oh Uh, mate i don't want to speak out against them before like i'm banned from ever going out to china but i think there has to be some sort of responsibility on one being aware that this is something that's ongoing in your country and b sharing it um sharing it not just within your own country but globally particularly if you know that you are such um a large nation yeah you're so y- you're a large large nation million people right is, 
not only large nation but the 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 influence you have within the world like we can arguably sit here and say that china is the largest economy in the world today and probably will be for a very long time because of its trade um business all of that so if you're aware that <laughs> this is your position in your, in in the world and you're aware that such a contagious disease has taken front why are you not sharing this information why that is quite plausible why but not only that like i just want to bring back like what about students in those countries who are minorities themselves who cannot go back to their own countries because health systems cannot cannot um cannot contain like or um deal with the uh, how do i say the burden of the actual disease so i was reading about a lot of uh african students about twenty one thousand students so quite a few african students will go to china to learn because great scholarships um partnerships with universities and a lot of their countries like their own countries are like no we are not bringing you back because we don't have the capacity to deal with this but then the chinese government is also like (laughs) stay there stay at home home. so it's really it's really hard it's like i've been thinking about this for a very long time and my friends think I'm borderline obsessed with this at this point, but it's it's just such a hard one, right? I definitely agree. Like, there are so many issues within China, and even uh, even the idea of being reactive instead mm. of being proactive mm. is being shown by them building a hospital in six days when they should have probably had that in place right. to deal with the any outbreak, right? So the issue with a lot of global health is that we are quite reactive instead of looking at ways to prevent outbreaks or minimize the impact of outbreaks right i think we we really lack sometimes on the prevention i really really do and by prevention i don't just mean like um a vaccine or whatever i mean like actually education health health campaigns campaigns and yeah, I'm just really not happy about how that's being sorted. Go on, ask me next question. Um, yeah, speaking about health campaigns, mm. like what health campaigns have you heard of or have been placed? Say, so a lot of them are very much public health campaigns. And I think they're very, I understand why they're framed this way, but I also think it's very selfish towards like people actually affected by it so a lot of them are Sorry, what do you mean by that can you expand yeah so like if you look at a lot of public health campaigns in the uk it's like oh these are the symptoms of coronavirus this is what it is um the risk to the uk is low um etc but it's not actually touching on how how people can help other people minimize risk it's not touching on I think the how do I how do I say this it's not really focusing on how we can help nations most affected by it it's all very how is this a risk us? how is this a risk us? and I get it but when we have some, a much stronger healthcare system that can deal with it like look at like stuff like Ebola there were like what two cases here and most of them were health professionals right. in Africa. Right, and it barely touched them. Even when we had stuff like swine flu, when that came here, like quite a few people got it, but we were man- we, we managed to deal with it really, really effectively and well. But I think they're not realising how in framing, in framing some of the things 
in the ways that they framed it is very they're just perpetuating this targeting again of chinese people east asian people because it's very much like if you're from this region of the world and it's like this is so sick like you read stuff in the news like people not taking their children to school because there's a chinese boy but he's british and he's never been to china yeah that's that's pretty true and that also leads to another wider problem a wider question Mm. do you think uh, people who've got um other conditions so other diseases who are also quite um, vulnerable to um, outbreaks like these yeah. are receiving the help or the information that they need because if you look at the cases no. in China yeah um, a lot of the deaths have been due to people who've, who are already comorbid and they've already got other conditions yeah. being unable to deal with the actual virus yeah and you can see that with the amount of people who've recovered yeah people who've died from the yeah um from the disease yeah um it's so interesting you said that i put it up on twitter because i was annoyed but also it was just so funny fake news is a thing so that there's that text my mom sent me that you can cure corona with was it garlic water and i was like mom (laughs) please stop spreading this fake news um but you're right in the sense and this is going around in my mom's circles in africa it's on whatsapp right what's on whatsapp yeah, I think, uh, that is so imagine how like the extent that it's going around in in all the other places right um and but this is what i mean as well about public health campaigns not being effective or cult- culturally sensitive um to people most affected by it because it's very like wash your hands <laughs> quite basic yeah and it's just like okay suspicious or exotic food, food. Or what do you mean exotic like exactly <laughs> it's so it reduces a much larger problem and what i think a lot of people aren't really talking about is like yes this can be spread on a very individual level but as we keep touching it's also how strong health systems are in preventing it and public public campaigns also need to need to um address this so like where there isn't a very strong public um, health system, I think there should be some sort of mobilization of community groups, um, particularly in more like rural and vulnerable areas. But you never really see public health campaigns surrounding stuff like that or empowering people to do stuff like that. So, and I think that leads nicely on to your last question. Which is... Um where do you think the responsibility <laughs> lies? So, like, um, like, what are your thoughts on the response and the way that the, the way that the international community has dealt with it, the way that, say, mm. um, international agencies like WHO mm. have formulated discussion, mm. the way um, these uh, leading G seven uh, mm. countries yeah. have actually uh, the discussions that they've had and where can we move on from this mm. and how can we move on from this and sorry one more in the clause um is it has this been exaggerated like has the media kind of but what do you think they'll be asking me these hard questions for people Go to on. come at me <laughs> okay. It's a free space. um okay do i think it's been exaggerated yes i know no i don't think it's been exaggerated that was a very politician answer but yeah. <laughs> it's a global health answer we've yeah. got to look at it objectively even though objectivity is not a thing um no because i don't think 
like if we're thinking about domestically i don't think the impact will be as large again that's a very selfish way to think about things um and i can say that very comfortably i have access to healthcare um i go to my gp i know what to do um i'm pretty clued i'm a global health student pretty clued up on this stuff so i'm speaking from a very privileged place uh yes i do think it's it's been wait what did i say no it's not exaggerated because yeah but yes i do also think it is being exaggerated because when i don't know how to say this in words i mean through the media so yeah if you look at like if you saw i think on the 30th on the new york times or the post yeah you see these like like corona coming to us right coming for us right like these very like magnified and it's on all platforms it's all on all platforms like it trends on twitter every day the algorithms are so that that's the first thing you'll see all my pop-ups are like okay that's partly because i've been reading about it over and over again but all my pop-ups are to do with like public health campaigns of it um why do i also think it's being exaggerated i think it's being exaggerated because of the presence of chinese people it's xenophobia again it's just racism i think where china plays such a large role in the world not just geopolitically but i mean trade man like ugh. so it's uh, within health it's west against china I don't want to I don't want to frame it that way but it sort of feels that way because even like we should really be talking about for example the United States they literally confirmed their 12th case what like yesterday and even if you look at the bigger picture like one of the uh, ministries of health of China Mm. so ministers sorry of China said that um, he had a dig at the western countries yeah but you guys have more people dying from common flu so I saw that and um, if you if we you bring that, that right exactly this is what I mean so like the US who spend a ridiculous amount of, of money on health let's not even talk about this May GDP May and but they're being impacted so much by this compared to like more national health services i.e. the NHS mm-hmm. I don't know I think if you it depending on the context yes it's been largely exaggerated like I, as soon as it takes place in africa i think the the narrative will just be sensationalized even more um i think as well yeah i just always think it depending on the origin of the infectious disease who is affecting um why it's affecting them and in this case culture plays such a large part then of course there's there's always going to be like this fear mongering sensation sensationalization and with you're dealing with countries who already have these very systematic problems such as racism xenophobia um poverty extreme poverty expected um affecting marginalized communities of course like it's always going to be a us v them narrative right where does the responsibility lie like in terms of jesus christ i think in this context nation states i.e Ch- the chinese government had should have been more 
mm, responsive, more transparent, not just amongst themselves, but with the international community. But I also think, you know how I feel about the World Health Organization. They do some good, but Jesus Christ, why has it taken until it's reached Western borders for it to be declared a public health emergency of what? I keep forgetting the acronym for it. Of um, it's a public <laughs> health emergency of significant no international in, yeah, international concern sorry. international concern yeah. like that that really bothers me like how how do you decide these thresholds like is is five hundred lives too little for you to decide that oh, actually we should take action now and that moves on to looking to I know it's already been reformed the international health yeah. regulation in yeah. two thousand five yeah because that is where all the measures and the thresholds are based on. So does that need to be re- uh, reformed Relo- again? Right. Or maybe perhaps the countries need to be regulated on how they're actually complying to the uh, deadlines or thresholds that are, are meant to be met, right. met by these countries. And I read somewhere, someone wrote an article about how they only wanted, they only declared it a public health crisis not because of the numbers but because of the effect it would have on the african continent and that really blew my mind i was like whoa 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 hang on a second it hasn't even touched africa i'm i'm i don't want to say it's there um maybe we just haven't detected it yet well there's a bigger picture of the fact that these nations these um organizations know that their vertical programs Mm are ineffective mm. so they're probably it's it's a response they know that africa uh, countries in africa are not ready are not resilient no 100 percent, and like so that's why they have to so that's li- yeah that's why they declared because they were they were largely because of fears that poorer countries might not be able to cope with this outbreak and i, I don't mean, know that's a lot of re- realization from WHO. Yeah. I, do you know what? In in, I will give props to them in comparison to how they dealt with the Ebola crisis of 2013 and sort of how they're dealing now with DRC, although it's better, which we'll talk about t- next week. I do think that... I do think that... Um, guys, my mom is just telling me to stop talking. <laughs> I do think that it, it's done much better. I mean, what do you think? Where does responsibility lie? I mean, there's many factors, like you said. Right. Just to echo, echo what you said. So, uh, governments, the nation states. So, there should be more transparency between China and WHO mm-hmm. and these agencies. Mm-hmm. Again. Um, but also other countries. Other countries. So, like, Malaysia has been shutting down again. fake news, mm-hmm. all of that. But I also think that individuals have a responsibility. So, it's not just people being affected by it, but, like, people like us. Not just global health students, but when you see ignorance shut it down (laughs) shut it down that's a good way to end the episode yeah um yeah so thank you guys for listening yes and next week uh we're gonna have a discussion on On, the ebola crisis of 2014 we'll try and get uh, a guest up to now (laughs) we will also have a guest as we'll try (laughs) trying is the best thing yeah we could do um and yeah like thank I said you at the guys of the episode yeah we're gonna try and have this on both apple and, and spotify. spotify yep and yeah so any questions 
our page is free so and we've got the curious cat app yeah so guys send in your questions comments we want to hear from you all of that good stuff i don't know where muhammad's rushing to but yeah thank you so much yep. <laughs> um bye bye